acceptance is a gift that you give not just to yourself, but to other people as well. And I believe this is a story that comes from the Buddha. If someone tries to give you a gift and you don't accept it, who does that gift belong to? So people's comments are the same way. You don't have to accept people's comments. ADHD Rewired, episode 242. This is the show designed for those of us with really good intentions, but a slightly wandering attention. My name is Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, coach, and speaker. The website is ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. But first, let me tell you about this. Last week's early registration event for our winter coaching and accountability groups was a great success. I'm writing this ad right after the event, and we had nine people sign up for our winter groups, and we're waiting on payment on just a couple others. Our next registration event will be right after the Chad conference, and as a special incentive to everyone who I met at the conference, as well as all of those who wished they could have been at the conference, which I get it, it's everybody. If you sign up at our next registration event on November 15th, I'm going to give you $100 off the cost of registration. We're doing it at 11 a.m. Central Time on Thursday, November 15th. And if you're hearing this after the 15th, check the website for additional registration dates. To learn more and to RSVP, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Be able to show up without having to pretend to be different. And knowing that you're not alone. I realize that it's not just me, it's it's like this in this world. This is the first thing that I have endeavored in that's actually brought me success. I have so much more confidence in my competence now. There have been tools and skills, but it's gone beyond. Planning, scheduling, accountability, structured accountability is huge. With that kind of structure in place, I'm now able to help others. What a transformation. So this group is like a really effective cough syrup. It's hard to swallow at first, and you almost don't want to do it, but it works wonders. To learn more and to RSVP, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Having ADHD can make it hard to do stuff that's not urgent. However, when something becomes urgent, we usually can do a pretty good job of doing what needs to get done. However, as we know, it often comes at a cost, mainly stress and often a poorer quality of work. One of my favorite power strategies is to engineer urgency. For example, to help me get on bed on time, I set an alarm clock in my upstairs bathroom that I have to get to before it goes off because if I don't, it'll wake my wife and my son and I will be in the doghouse. It's amazing how fast I can stop what I'm doing and transition when I have to go defuse that bomb. I also engineer urgency when I have to make a phone call, but I don't want to get stuck on the phone for a long time. I'll make that call five to 10 minutes prior to a meeting. I know I am accountable to whoever I am meeting with, so I will be there on time, so it makes it easier for me to end that call. I also engineer urgency when it comes to being ready to deliver a new presentation, 
like the one that I'm going to be delivering at the Chad conference on November 11th. Over the last two weeks, I gave it twice as a webinar to my alumni membership community. And I'm scheduled to give it again at my local Chad group two days prior to the conference on November 5th. But I want to give it at least one more time before I present it at the conference. So I'm going to engineer some more urgency by inviting you to join me for the first public debut of my new presentation, Adulting with ADHD, Tools and Strategies for Productive and Healthy Living. I'll be doing this as a webinar this Thursday, November 1st at 12 p.m. Central Time. That's 10 Pacific, 1 Eastern. But I know we're about to change daylight savings time in some places, so you might want to just double check your time. It will be 12 p.m. Central Time for me. You might want to just Google time zone conversions to make sure you got the right time. To register for the webinar, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. Or if you tap on the ADHD Rewired logo on your podcast app, especially if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, tap the ADHD Rewired logo and you'll see show notes in there. There should be a link right there that'll take you to the events page at ADHDrewired.com slash events. Hope to see you there. If you're listening to this and you're in the U.S. and you have a pre-existing condition, which you do if you have ADHD, and you haven't voted, go vote. No joke. ADHD meds are expensive when you can't get them covered because Congress stripped away protection for pre-existing conditions. Think your vote doesn't matter? This year, when governors are redrawing voting districts, this can fix many of the horribly gerrymandered districts. Your vote matters. For the love of everything shiny, please go vote. And if you have friends or family that value access to affordable health care, make sure they vote too. Next week, I'll be at the Chad Conference, November 7th through the 11th. If you're going, come say hi to me. I'm going to try to do a meetup on Friday, so check Twitter and Facebook once you get there at the conference. My Twitter handle is at Eric Tivers on Facebook. I'll probably use my ADC Rewired Facebook page. And if you're thinking about making it a last minute thing, go to chadd.org to register. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We have, again, this week, a, our, our second Mastermind uh, series, where we are going to have Sandra in the hot seat, and she's going to be exploring a topic that I think that a lot of us uh, can, can relate to. I think it's an issue that a lot of us struggle with, and I don't think this is even a topic that we've yet addressed on the podcast in the four and a half years doing this. I'm really, really excited. So um, just in case you didn't hear us last week, let's just do a quick uh, introduction. Uh, Sandra, do you want to uh, uh, start it off? Sure. My name is Sandra Lloyd. I am a user experience designer, strategist, and information architect. I was in um, the, the 12th season of ADHD Rewired Coaching Groups. And you played the ukulele. Or, uh, yes, or I do. Uh, or as I was uh, corrected on, on Tuesday's uh, alumni coaching call, ukulele. Did yes. I say that right? <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. 
Natalie is giving me a, a funny look like it's close, but not really. Natalie, let's introduce you next. No, I just had no idea that that wasn't how you had. I didn't. I, I was just ukulele for me, but it makes sense that it sounds different. Yeah, I'm I'm Natalie. I'm an occupational therapist. Um, I was also in um, the 12th season and um I realized I remembered what I was going to say for the last podcast that my themes for the year are um, self-care, be more social and adventure. I was going to tell everybody that and I couldn't remember. Awesome. So. And now you got your <laughs> chance. All right. And then we also have Dan. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm a father of two hyper kids and I, I am in love with my wife of 13 years. Um, I was a member of the 10th season of ADHD Rewired and I love helping people. So I was also an admin for season 13. Uh, professionally, I lead teams that produce large corporate websites and everything we seem to talk about in these conversations, I can totally relate to. So I'm looking forward to contributing today. Awesome. And we also have Diana. Hi, my name is Diana, and I participated in the Rewired Accountability and Coaching Group of Season 10 uh, from the fall of 2017. I've just completed uh, Season 13 as an admin and uh, enjoyed that immensely. I've grown more from my uh, participation with Eric's groups than from any other improvement uh, experience that I've had. I'm a physician. I live in uh, central Oklahoma. I have uh, three grown kids all in their 20s been married 37 years this year awesome so this is the mastermind group and we have today we have sandra in the hot seat but before we do anna yesterday you were in the hot seat yes no that yes. then you're shaking your head no i'm like that i was said yes <laughs> last week diana was in the hot seat or last time you make it <laughs> when you're shaking your head i was like Oh crap! Did I just have an ADHD moment? And was it actually somebody else in the hot seat? And I totally just like had a moment. Instruction to the editors: cut this. Part no, out. keep it in. Keep it in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you committed. I, I had my notes somewhere, uh, somewhere under my desk. If I can find my desk, um, you committed to. Oh, scheduling a sleep study, right? Yes, I did. And I initiated the calls that there has to be approval, et cetera. But uh, hopefully by the end of the week, I'll have an appointment awesome. sometime awesome. in a month or two. And then Natalie called me uh, last night and I had gotten distracted because my uh, youngest daughter got back from a trip to South Texas and I was hearing her stories. And uh, so that did help Natalie. I actually, she was calling to make sure I'd put my trigger, visual trigger, my water by the bedside. And I had done that about four hours before. So at first I thought I was caught unawares. <laughs> and so I see Natalie on the phone. I'm like, ah, I forgot. Uh, it was about, I think it was 1030 my time. But it also prompted me to get on and conclude our discussion and get in bed. Awesome. Then this morning. I actually texted her with some emojis, emojis before, uh, just minutes before she was due to call me. Nice. That had to feel good. So had a good morning. Yeah. Awesome. Well, congratulations on a good first, uh, first 24 hours after your mastermind. And uh, we look forward on our next mastermind to see if that, that uh, um, meeting 
we have an appointment for the sleep study has been confirmed and scheduled. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Now, Sandra, you are up. It's your turn in the hot seat. And um, as we were, before we hit record, we were discussing just the, that we all kind of have a hard stop in uh, about an hour, uh, about fi- uh, 56 minutes from right now, if I'm mathing correctly. And uh, you made a comment, how ironic being that the topic for today's mastermind is being verbose. <laughs> so why don't you set it up for us? Give us some, uh, give us some background um, and then we'll move into to doing what we do here in, in our mastermind sessions, but asking you questions, helping challenge some of your thinking and helping um, you problem solve and come up with uh, some solutions and make some commitments. Great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the issue I want to mastermind is, well, I, I wasn't sure if it was a thing, so I named it, it maybe it's already named this, verbal regulation. And I, I thought of calling it that because um, it's kind of like, it feels like emotional regulation or, you know, like attention regulation, all the other things that we seem to have trouble regulating. And um, so my issue is I seem to have trouble verbally a lot. Either I'm a too verbose. B, I can't think of anything to say, or I am somehow otherwise unable to express myself. Uh, like sometimes the sentences just don't form. And, um, or C, I just can't seem to recall the right words fast enough. Like yesterday I was making dinner and I kept forgetting the word for radishes. I do this in like client meetings to all like forget what the thing is called that we're talking about. And, <laughs> you know, it like takes me a while and, and neurotypical people are like, they have no idea. They're just like, what's wrong with her? Does she not know what she's talking about? I got like feedback from my manager once that um, I didn't have total command of content because he, he actually thought maybe I didn't know my stuff. It was really, I explained to him um, that I just, sometimes I forget words for things, even though I know the thing extremely well. Um, he didn't seem to buy it. But um, yeah, it's, um, it's really, as you can imagine, frustrating for me. I feel, um, you know, to the point where I think that it's produced social anxiety. I don't know if it's, a, it's a chicken or egg thing. I don't know if it's, this produces the anxiety because I'm afraid I'm going to, screw up my words or talk too much or if it happens the other way because I'm anxious I end the um effect is that I end up being um you know having trouble regulating um so anyway uh I'm trying to figure out like um you know what is the root cause of this issue what are the um emotional versus the physiological components of this and um, how much of the solution lies on which side. I want to be able to tease it apart, figure out what it is so that I can function, you know? Okay. So um, you, you said that uh, you're not sure if it's a chicken or an egg thing. And what I'd like to, to offer is that it doesn't matter because what actually that, that gives us is two entry points. We can either approach it from the chicken or we could approach mm-hmm. it from the egg. Right. So in, in some ways, great. Right. So we have two opportunities to, to sort of jump on this carousel and figure out, um, you know, some solutions around this. Um, and I do understand the desire for understanding the root cause and th- there may be some benefit in there, 
but I think that we're going to f- probably find more um, uh, fruit by exploring solutions. Oh. Right. And then maybe the sort of in the moment cause versus the, that like root cause, you know, where we all blame our mothers for everything. Right. Uh, and I did and I did read your, your mastermind where there were some negative uh, comments um, that, that your mom would, would say, um, you know, around uh, what was it? it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, so I would be like, um, you know, there'd be these moments where we'd be having an argument and I, I would get really verbose and I would just be, you know, saying whatever. And, and she'd be like, stop it. You have diarrhea of the mouth, which is a, such a disgusting, <laughs> disgusting image. Ew. It just makes me feel sick. Okay. It's, so, so here's my question. You, you had pointed out, you had a uh, supervisor, um, your mom and maybe a couple of specific people who have given you this feedback, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. You also said that other like neurotypical people like are always thinking this of you. It seems so. I mean, I obviously don't know what people are actually thinking, right? Um, but I do see the, um, you know, some, some reactions. I, I, I do know that they are um, really not sure what to think. A lot of times I see the, perplexed stares when I'm talking. I see people lose their attention span. I see people get bored or avoid. I see people talking to me like uh, I had this other supervisor who, um, well, she wasn't really supervisor, but uh, another person in leadership. And she just kind of, you could just tell she didn't know what to make of me. And she, um, I really do think she thought I was mentally challenged that I had some, uh, you know, some serious Do you have any evidence for that belief. Not totally, but it was just the way she spoke to me kind of slow and, and with this look of concern and pity in her eyes. And, um, and then when she wrote me uh, feedback, she, her, her feedback on our performance feedback tool started with uh, what was it? Uh, Sandra brings a special way of looking at the world to our studio, (laughs) but you know, it's maybe a story I'm making up for myself, but I guess it's also a big fear of mine. I'm always worried that people are going to think I'm stupid or people are going to think that I'm, you know, to, to misinterpret what I'm saying um, that I'm not going to be heard. And yeah, part of it is, is, definitely uh, founded in reality a lot of it is also founded in fear okay let's uh let's open up uh questions for clarification uh from dan natalie or dan go ahead um sandra do you have a practice i i know in your line of work because i do website stuff too user user testing user experience things like this that there's a lot of surveying and data collection so that you can mm-hmm. build, uh, I'll say, a structure um, of functionality, experiences, scenarios that uh, that make a good user experience. So I, I know in that line of work, it means collecting information, mm-hmm. going and seeking collect uh, information, and then structuring it. And that can be a very random thing. How adept do you feel that you are at structure creation? categorizing, organizing, things like this? Um, 
Well, that's an interesting question. I I think I'm really good at it. Okay. I think, um, but it's interesting because I also don't go about it the way normal people do. Um, I come at it from my own angle, and and my pathway always takes longer. Um, sometimes I have to. A lot of the process, I end up externalizing. I remember, um, you know, back to my point about worry about people thinking that I have some um, serious mental disability. Um, I remember doing the information seeking uh, and information gathering and um, sense making phase of this one project. And my uh, the director of my studio walks into our war room and sees all of the different um, structures that I've uh, put up, all of the uh, visual aids that I've put up. And he says, wow, it looks like a beautiful mind in here. It looks like, say that, a, a beautiful what? A, a, a beautiful mind, you know? The, um, oh, yeah, the movie. The movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wow, I, I could not get that one out of my head. I was just like, wow, does he what does that mean that he thinks of me? You know, yeah. um, did you take it as a compliment or as criticism? I took it as criticism um, because it just, it was just like, yeah, he just really did not understand it. And then I also got criticism later that I was going off, you know, I was getting into the weeds, blah, blah, blah. So in any case, um, I'm really good at, um, at taking at fixing complex information environments, making sense of complex information, but um, little shallow things I take too long at. Okay, that's really helpful to know. Um, by the way, I just have to say, the movie, The, the Beautiful Mind, uh-huh. um, is actually very affirming. Yeah, and I've seen it. <laughs> I, I want you to take whatever criticism you felt like you got and turn it around um, the way that that movie uh, ended up. There's a lot of power too, and someone when someone t- gives you a com- uh, makes a comment, where even if th- there it will be reasonable that it could be perceived as a criticism, by responding in a way where you're actually taking it as a compliment, it it changes the dynamic of that interaction, right? Uh-huh. And so you have this this. What I would imagine probably a brilliantly visual display of kind of what's going on in your mind while trying to to make these connections. Your supervisor comes in, makes this comment. Wow, it looks like beautiful mind. Like, thanks. I'm glad you recognize that. You know, what what if it were something like that versus this must mean something's wrong with me. Right. I mean, I think that, um, Sandra, from, from the experiences that I have had working with you, um, you know, we've, we've had the opportunity to, to know each other for about six months or so. I think that these stories that are going on in your head are much different than what people are perceiving you as. Hmm. I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse. I think it should just, make you feel better. I, it does. It does. Um, so part of me is like, okay, it's better than I think it is. The other part of me is like, oh, I am very... Uh, removed from reality. There must be something additional wrong with me. But keep in mind that most of us, Sandra, are not as self-aware as we think. And we are also way more critical of ourselves than anybody else will be. And I believe even the most positive people have give themselves more criticism than they receive. Dan, you're jumping out of your seat. Go ahead. (laughs) 
So I have one other clarifying question, and it has to do with this perception of versus reality. Do you have memories of people affirming you out of surprise and you didn't have a negative reaction? Like, uh, are you saying, where do I remember any times where somebody uh, gave me a compliment or something? Or, or you really me. took positively, yeah, affirmations. Totally. So it sounds like um, you have experiences to draw from that can confirm that you are special, you are loved, you are really good at X, Y, and Z. Yes, definitely. And good. So we'll draw on that, I'm sure, more in our conversation. Right. Natalie. Okay, so um, I have had extremely similar situations when I was going through OT school. Um, I had to do a certain number of uh, like shadowings. And my one supervisor almost failed me, um, commenting that I was aloof and lost, and it made me seem like I did not care, which is the opposite of how I feel. Um, and if I'm tired and if I'm really thinking about something, I will look like I'm somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I want to say that I think this is a very common thing for people with ADD and that you shouldn't feel alone and that it's not as weird as you think. And that when I had a conversation with that supervisor about it and about like how I thought, and this was before I was diagnosed, she was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's good to know. And you might in the future want to explain that to your clients so that they don't think that you're lost and don't care, which I think was good advice. Um, but of course, she's an occupational therapist. So I, I have that benefit. <laughs> But I also have issues with word finding and all that jazz. But I was wondering, my question was, what type of processor are you? Do you process fast or slow? Are you verbal? Are you like visual? Are you tactile? A sparkly rainbow multifaceted processor. <laughs> <laughs> that. I am a sparkly rainbow multifaceted processor. I would say that it varies by time of day, mood, um, you know, like what's, well, it's like what channel is available in mm. my brain. <laughs> I think that's a big thing. That's good self-awareness. Thank you. I can be good at self-awareness a lot, um, just not always. Uh, but yeah, I do <laughs> notice that, um, and it makes sense like with fidgets, you know, I noticed that, uh, you know, some, sometimes I can't understand what people are saying. Um, like in a meeting or something. And like in the middle of uh, ADHD rewired coaching group, I started wood carving and I started to do wood carving during the sessions. And I actually found that I, I was able to hear and retain things so much better. Mm. Now people probably, you know, to Natalie's comment, think that I'm not paying attention because I'm not looking at them, but actually I'm paying much better attention. Um, but I think that's an interesting thing because giving the one channel something to do makes the other thing open. So if it's, it's the visual channel or it's the verbal channel, I do need to talk things through often and I do need to draw things out often. And I do wonder uh, sort of what Natalie was saying, um, how at what venues would you be able to just sort of like just explain how you do things? 
or how you operate. And so it's like, because yeah, there are these assumptions that if you're doodling or fidgeting that you're not paying attention, but that's stuff like that's, those are assumptions based on people who don't understand how the brain works. Right. So it's it's sort of like busting that, that folklore of like, if you don't do this, it must mean you don't care. Or if you do this, it must mean you're not paying attention. Says who? Yeah, that's actually something I really, you know, I had a lot of trouble verbalizing to come like first full circle back to the verbal regulation. You know, in my last job, I actually, um, this was, I went through a process where I actually realized that, oh, ADHD is more than just inattentiveness and, and the medicine doesn't take care of everything. There's all these other things you have to do. And that's, that was a long process of discovery that resulted in, you know, me finding ADHD rewired. But I also um, found that, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh my gosh. And that's not just you. That's everyone who we talked to here on the podcast, um, including myself. Um, Dan, yes. go, you, Danny, you had a question oh, I thought. Oh, I remember. Okay. Sorry. Finish your yeah. thought and then um, we'll go to Dana. So, so the problem is that, um, you know, I was fi- trying to find a language to talk to my coworkers or about like, this is how I operate. This is how my brain works. These are the things that I need without, you know, making it sound like an excuse or something like that sounds like a, like bullshit, a cop out. You know, you think about like fibromyalgia people, you can't see that someone has fibromyalgia. They don't see the symptoms. So you think, you know, a lot of people just think, Oh, they're just making that shit up. Same with ADHD. Like, I seem intelligent. I'm just, maybe I'm just lazy. Like they don't get it. And it, so it's a fear of just meeting with this thing and then this like opposition. And then it's like, I have to pick the right words. And then I just kind of like. Senior, one, one thing I want to say to that is one of my favorite lines from Brene Brown is that it's not our job to be the asshole whisperer, right? If you Ooh, are, like if you need to share something that is, that is going to help you work better, right? Like, how is that an excuse? That's that's an explanation to, to somebody that says, here's how I operate, right? Diana. I have a couple of lines of thought. One that segues into uh, what Natalie and Sandra were just talking about. And mine come from more of a medical or neurotransmitter line of thinking. And I'm wondering, um, Sandra, does this occur, I'm th- probably one of three pathways, does it occur when you're unstimulated and bored does it occur when you're overstimulated and anxious or in the middle when you're neither? Like when you talk about the arguments with your mom and you had diarrhea of the mouth, uh, when you have diarrhea of the mouth, I would think you'd be overstimulated. And if my line of thinking is correct. It wouldn't necessarily occur. Does it occur in all three set, uh, areas or just hmm. under certain sort of uh, levels of mental stimulation? That's a really good question, Diana. And um, sleep. Oh, yes, there's that. I, you know, the times that I remember, the times where I've had um, the most trouble seems to be when I'm overstimulated. Like, I will be overly verbose when I'm, when I feel attacked or I'm feeling defensive or emotional but I also will be overly verbose when somebody gets me on a topic that I'm really excited about and, uh, and they just can't shut me up or those times when your heart rates 
beating and you feel, you know, your adrenaline is high? Sometimes, sometimes it's not like, I won't even, I won't feel those things, but I'll know that like, I'll feel stress. Like I have generalized anxiety disorders. I always have like higher baseline level of anxiety. Um, but yeah, like even the, like the times when I can't think of anything to say, I'm feeling anxious or, and there's probably a lot going on, um, in terms of stream of thought, like, what should I say? Oh my gosh. And like, my brain is, is overstimulated just inside trying to figure out this. Well, I've, I've noticed it happened to me personally lately and over the last year being involved, uh, with rewired, I, and my own research, I'm, uh, interested in, uh, I've come out more and tried to be more present verbally and in a, a relationship. And I found that when I go away from the aloof and try to communicate, I've had times like that where I've had word finding problems and I'm looking in the eye of someone who I know exactly what you're saying. They look at you like, uh, and <laughs> not just like a typical word finding. And then it might happen again in uh, within 10 minutes. And I'm going, what is going on? And I think I haven't noticed it before because I've been more aloof and not involved in conversations. And I've been told that too, that you, you seem like Natalie said, you seem aloof. And I think I almost wonder if maybe at a very early age, we realize that there's times there's things that either we do actively, you know, physically or verbally that make us look stupid. So then we draw back and, and try to, block that but when we have to participate then it comes out and I think I've never noticed this you know in five decades until now I'm trying to be uh to show my interest in myself more and now I, I'm seeing the same thing that makes a lot of sense yeah I think for me it's um you know sometimes I I've gotten the comment that I'm I seem like I'm mean or I don't care or whatever um, right, right. At times as well. And um, for me, I think the way I avoid it is often I don't call friends. I don't make plans. I'm afraid I'm, you know, I'm just going to screw up the whole situation. I don't want to go out. It's not fun because I get tired and I just. You know, so my next train of thought as a, physician and I'm trained in medicine so of course we do medicine but there may be other non-medicine ways to deal with this but blocking either beta blocker or alpha blocker I know I see a lot of patients I don't prescribe it but I see a lot of patients with ADHD on clonidine which is an alpha blocker mm -hmm. so that blocks part of adrenaline and then personally I prescribe for panelol or a beta blocker just on occasions when you know you're going to get into that situation at a meeting or whatever, you're going to get into your trigger situations. And that's not for this particular problem, but it's helped with the physical symptoms of anxiety, not the mental symptoms, but sometimes the physical symptoms can become so overwhelming that that's more uncomfortable than the, the mental symptoms. That makes sense? Yeah. Right now I take Lexapro. Um, I don't know. Is it, is that a, one of the blockers that that's the serotonin increaser so okay. this is the, these are blood pressure medicines actually yeah i have low um, blood pressure too so i tried yeah. a blocker and that did not work for me but it was a long time ago but yeah. i also didn't and the p the t9cs dose it could be one fifth to one tenth of the dose we use for um, blood pressure ah interesting but maybe there i'm also looking at non-medicine you know, Eastern ways of dealing with this. And, and I'm wondering, is there another equivalent than what I'm educated in? 
Mm-hmm. Natalie? That's where the occupational therapist comes in. Um, <laughs> the non-medicine in, uh, interventions. Um, so, uh, uh, but on the medicine note, I take guampacine mm-hmm. for that, yeah, that, which is also what, blood pressure med. Is it the yeah. same thing? It's is not it, one of those blockers. It is an alpha blocker, I think. Yeah. 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 I take a very, very low dose before bed. It also helps me fall asleep. Um, and it helps me with my anxiety issues, which, um, so then, uh, my, uh, my suggestions as far as like, of course, mindfulness, but we've been incorporating that already. What I think might be, um, an interesting thing to do is to, to talk to your friends about this and see what they think. Because if you're having issues doing stuff with friends because you're worried about like them like judging you or like getting bored with you or whatnot, or that you'll like just get tired and lethargic, oftentimes we'll find that friends like don't like actually like care that much in that bad sort of way. They are even don't notice because they're noticing the parts of you they like. Um, and on that note, it's important to remember that you should give people a benefit of the doubt, just like we give each other the benefit of the doubt. People want to help you out. People want to understand you. Like people aren't against you, particularly when they're working with you and when you're like, when they've employed you, <laughs> they, they want to make it work for you. Um, and so I try to remember that when I have these conversations about, you know, being aloof and all that jazz, because as soon as you remember that, it becomes more of a conversation on how do we help each other? Because then often people come back at you with like, oh, well, you know, people sometimes think I'm standoffish because I just, you know, care a lot about like things running correctly or blah, blah, blah. And then you build a a relationship there on these differences. I also suggest talking, if it's a big problem, you can always talk to HR, you know, there is disability law, like mm-hmm. you can get accommodations. Yeah. Um, and I've been through can, that process. Too. Yeah. Which so, yeah. is a big, it's a, it's a big to do, isn't it? Um, That'd be a, and, another episode. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and then having, you know, if you doodle and all that, if you're worried about people thinking that you're not listening having a more obvious fidget allows people to realize that it's helping you think it's become such a thing now in the media fidgets that people now like know they exist and why. Um, so if you have a more obvious fidget, people then realize that you might be using it to focus. And then you can also educate people who think it might just be a toy. <laughs> I don't suggest fidget spinners. I have a fidget cube. Fidget cubes are awesome. Natalie, can I ask a question? Uh What what is an example of an obvious fidget that that you have experienced? You've mentioned a couple, but what are some of those maybe more, I'll say socially acceptable ones that you're thinking? All right. So fidgets in general aren't like, I wouldn't say that they're like socially accepted, but they're getting to be more socially accepted, more socially accepted anyway than like drawing or staring out the window, you know, but we have fidgets that we provide to people, you know, in schools and all that. And often they, they look 
like something you play with with your hands in your lap. You know, they don't look like toys. They aren't loud. They, um, they don't light up. <laughs> they don't light up. Yeah. Um, so I should have one that lights up is what you're saying. Oh, for sure. One that's yeah. really bright and sparkly, right? Quiet <laughs> meetings especially. Makes tons of noise. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you've noticed my pen, but it's actually a fidget pen that has all these different like oh, <laughs> I love things it. on it. Um, yeah. So I got this one from Capital One. The pen. <laughs> The cool pen that has a little fidget spinner thing on top of it. Oh my good, god! Good job, Capital One. Right. You know, I, I want to kind of come to. I know that Dan has a comment, but in your mastermind worksheet, you you wrote up a section about the your negative self talk. And yeah. what I would like to do is bring some of these statements uh, on trial right now. Uh, you said uh, one of your thoughts is, "You're boring them. You're a boring person. Just shut up." Will you counter that argument? Um, yeah, I am not a boring person. I do all kinds of interesting things and I have all kinds of interesting experiences. It's just that I sometimes have trouble telling them in a story that engages people. How much of that trouble do you think comes stems from while you are engaging in the social interaction, part of that sort of, uh, ticker tape of thought that's going on through your mind is don't screw this up, Sandra, don't screw this up. Uh, probably a lot. I okay. you know, talking about those channels that are available in your mind. I think that channel is getting blocked like a, like a clogged artery. <laughs> now, I also know that you, you practice, uh, you're, you're, you're practicing Buddhist, correct? Yes. So mindfulness is a big part of, of your life. Yes. How can you bring these practices into these moments when you're, um, when your inner dialogue is for, for lack of better words is being an asshole. Mm. I suppose that, um, well, first I'd have to, I'd have to find a trigger to remind myself, um, or to make myself aware. Oh, okay. I'm going, there I go again. And then have one thing that I do, like maybe I take a deep breath. Um, one thing in our, in my Buddhist practice that I do, and I practice Nichiren Buddhism, um, we, uh, we chant and, um, part of that chanting is, um, chanting with appreciation for your, um, for your Buddha nature, because every, every human, every living being has a Buddha nature. So if I, if I, um, maybe chant silently inside my head a little bit, um, with appreciation, for um, who I am and what I'm made of, um, that could help, I suppose. Another thought you had that I'd like to, to uh, bring to the, the, the jury's attention is yes. um, you always fuck up your words. You sound like Porky Pig. <laughs> I think that I don't really sound like Porky Pig that often. Uh, but yeah, there are, um, there are times when I forget words. There are times when I can't form sentences. Porky Pig sounds different than I do. Um, I, it never gets that bad. Okay. Um, you always fuck up your words. Is what you wrote. That's not true. I I would say that, like, if you were c- to compare my speech patterns with the speech patterns of an actor on a sitcom, I would. Are fuck you up an actor on a sitcom? Back. No, and they had plenty of takes too. 
unless it was filmed in front of a live studio audience, in which case they didn't. But, you know, that's another, they had time to practice their lines. I did not. So you're comparing a, a edited, polished, produced. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. I, <laughs> did I mention I'm a perfectionist? <laughs> um. And uh, I think we've already addressed the one about your, your friends didn't accept your invitations because they think you're mentally challenged and it's a chore to hang out with you. They feel sorry for you, but they don't want to spend their weekend with you. I think that is uh, um, probably like not true. If that were true, I would know that these people were assholes and like there are people who see a lot of value in me. Like, I have friends who have written really nice um, reviews of me on LinkedIn and they wouldn't have, they wouldn't just write that out of pity. That would be like weird. Sandra, I think that if you looked at the thoughts that you're wrestling with and if any of those thoughts came from a friend of yours, you would tell that friend to take a hike. You would say, "Yeah, I don't want to be in a relationship with you anymore. Yeah. That person would be self-selecting, out of my life. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want them to be my friend. Part of what I'm hearing here is there's an issue of like, are there language recall or repressing issues as you're talking? Yeah. But you know, that, that possibly does happen. Um, that happens to me sometimes too. And I talk mm -hmm. for a living. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I think part of, in my experience, when I have, really I, just, I let go of you know this trying to sound perfect and um and even uh clear as i'm doing at this very moment right it's just like i can say okay as it comes it's coming and i'm not gonna spend all this effort trying to masquerade as normal it has mm -hmm. made my brain function it is it with so much more ease right mm -hmm. and so it's when we can you know, it's when our mindset is something uh, around, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, don't screw it up. We are thinking about screwing it up, right? Oh, yeah. Versus, all right, there's, thank you for that thought, brain. Uh, we're, we're good here. We're, we're, we're good. Like, you, I'm hearing your messages, but I got this, right? And so in that kind of self-compassionate way, talk back to those negative automatic thoughts. Sandra, I get social anxiety too in, in social situations, Right. And so uh -huh. there are there are certainly techniques to use uh, in in social situations. Um, I was reading through your your worksheet, and you it sounded like you took this uh, this course, this precision Q and A, um, yeah. and you said that you found that helpful. And with with so if you found something like that helpful, and now I can also imagine you're in the situation you're trying to apply this this knowledge, and you're I'm imagining you kind of going through this checklist of all right, what skill am I trying to use? To really use stuff like that well, first you learn it all, you practice it, and then you forget everything you learned. Uh. Right? And, and I think that's kind of what mastery, I'll trust yourself, trust your ability to, to come up with those words, right? I know, um, you know, and kind of circling back to processing speed. Mm -hmm. Sandra, now, we, I've never done any diagnostic evaluation with you, um, so I don't know how you actually process information, but that is something that is knowable if, if you were to seek that out, if that is something of, yeah. of interest to you. you, it is. you know, I have been in, uh, learning more and more about 
not just about processing speed, but about processing speed along with when you're dealing with sort of twice exceptionalities, right? Mm -hmm. And a common profile that I am seeing with with people um, is you have someone who is highly intelligent, maybe even gifted, and slow processing, or ADHD Mm -hmm. and slow processing, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's you... What that means is you're able to make sense of a lot of information and see connections that other people don't see. And there is tremendous value in that. A beautiful mind. Right? Ah. For but someone that has a slower processing speed needs to be able to adapt in the way that they are expressing what they know and how they take in what they know. And so it's not just about how do I get better at communicating? Well, the, the, mm-hmm. there are certain aspects to that, and I would encourage you to do stuff like um, Toastmasters. See, it, it happens to me ah! too, right? So doing, <laughs> doing things like, like Toastmasters, because um, that can also help a lot, with a lot of that. That uh, um, It really polishes your, your, your uh, public speaking yeah. in very small doses. So it's not like yeah. you have to get up and do these like really long presentations or, or talks. You give these like three to five minute talks and you in each yeah. talk you focus on a very specific skill set, right? Within you know, within speaking. Um but hmm. uh, but you know, looking at how you process and looking hmm. at scaffolding your environment around that, right? Like having to take in information and respond in real time in a complex hmm. situation might not be your best working environment. It's not my best working environment, right? I mean, depending on the situation. I know for me, like when uh, you you talk about the frustration of of being able to come up with words, when I don't get enough sleep, like half of my vocabulary is on lockdown, Uh right? It's like, it's banging the doors trying to get out, but it's not, right? And so um, looking at some of those self-care issues as well, and I think the relaxed mind is going to be able to perform better in any situation. All right. So before you go into these social situations, um, you know, try to take a few minutes and maybe do some, some mindful breathing. Um, but I think that, that sort of recognizing that there's been a lot of these stories that you've been telling yourself, some, uh, some of which are um, based on influential people in your life have given you some negative feedback. But I think it's so important to understand that not everybody is thinking those things that you think they're thinking about you. Oh, yeah. And I know they're not. It's just it's really hard to banish the um, the thoughts. Even when I, I don't, know don't try to banish them. You can't. So what you're, what you're trying to do is it sounds like you're trying to banish an automatic thought. Right. We can't yeah. do that because it's an automatic thought. What right. we can do is change how we appraise that thought change how what right. we do the moment we notice we have that thought all right we're going to yeah. jump in take a quick break and when we come back we will continue this conversation my name is elise i'm a consultant and i'm also a parent of two daughters with various forms of adhd and learning challenges and a wife to someone who's also got ADHD and various forms of learning challenges. I joined the group because I really was drawn to the three times a week meeting because I felt like everything I've ever done was once a week or you can listen to the recordings and there wasn't this 
level of engagement that I thought would be really beneficial. And based on having listened to Eric's podcast, I knew like his sensibility and the way he communicates was something that I could relate to compared to other coaches and people who are out there in the ADHD space. Like I felt there was a a solid connection there. For me personally, I've spent a lot of money on a lot of coaches and this is a deal. I mean, this is a screaming deal as far as I'm concerned on that front. I don't know what other people are used to paying for therapy or coaching, but this is a value. And that was reinforced by the time that we spent over the last 10 weeks. Join us this January for ADHD Rewired's 15th season of coaching and accountability groups. RSVP for our next registration event on November 15th at 11 a.m. Central. And when you register on the 15th, you can get $100 off the cost of enrollment. Make 2019 your best year yet. To learn more and to RSVP, go to coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Whether you're new to the podcast or you've been listening for a while, if you get value from this podcast, there are a number of ways you can give back. You can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can tell other people about it, especially if you are maybe going to a big ADHD conference where you can turn people onto the podcast and help them subscribe to it. Also, make sure you hit subscribe. I recently learned that 20% of our listeners who listen through iTunes or Apple Podcasts aren't subscribed. So make sure you hit that subscribe button on your podcast player so new episodes are sent to you automatically each week. Also, the more people who subscribe, the more people who will see this podcast when they are searching for podcasts. And if you've been listening for a while and you are able to show your support with a monthly financial contribution, become a patron at patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. You'll get some cool perks like you can come hang out with me on Zoom once a month. But please don't give if you're really not able to afford it. But if you can, give an amount that makes sense to you. Go to patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. That's patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. Thanks. Are you looking for a great way to feel connected to the ADHD community? Want to get your burning questions answered? You want this all for free? Then join me along with a host of the ADHD Essentials podcast, Brendan Mahan, every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, 1.30 Eastern for ADHD Rewired's live Q&A. To register, go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. And for the sake of time, we are back. All right. So um, who has other thoughts, ideas? It looks like uh, Natalie, both of Natalie's hands are up. So I think that Natalie has something she wants to share. So I am also a slow processor. And um, I consider myself an intelligent person. Um, <laughs> uh, so like, I am lucky because I am a slow processor with a lot of ideas who works with the elderly. So 
my slow processing matches theirs. When I have trouble finding a word, they laugh and go, oh, I hate when that happens. Yes. So it's <laughs> not a big deal. I relate to that so much. Oh my gosh. I, even as a kid, I used to love to hang out with old people. Oh my God. My boring stories. They would have patience and, and I would just like to sit there and listen to them talking slowly. It was so relaxing. And I would sit with my teachers at recess. Yes, it was. Yes. So, and, and I get told that I'm wise, um, but also that I'm youthful you know, things that should contradict, but they don't because they're in me. Um, but what I find then in these other, like in situations when it's not with the, like with elderly or our people who, you know, have the similar issues we do. If you come, come to the situation, remembering that like, this is a mutual relationship, like regardless of whether, if you're providing a service, they're paying you for it. That's a mutual relationship. If um, someone has employed you, you, um, they are paying you to do something they need to have done. This is a mutual relationship. So when you come to that thing and you have to take a minute to process that, be a good listener, uh, repeat back what they're saying. Um, and then say, Hey, I want to think about this and come back with my ideas later. And people appreciate that. Because it, it's you, you know, you're saying you're, you're going to think deeply about something. If you need help processing something, you know, come to somebody and say, hey, can I talk about this with you? I, I, I just need to, you know, bounce my ideas off of somebody. Mm-hmm. And then people feel like they're helping you. And when people help you, they like you. That is a proven thing. There's a study somewhere on yes. it. That if they feel like if somebody feels like they're helping you, then they start to like you. It's not a burden, you know? Yeah. Actually, you know, it's interesting because at my previous job, I, um, I started to, you know, I got some negative feedback and I started to ask my coworkers, oh, do you mind if I run this by you? I just need a couple of minutes to verbally process this. And you know, what's a good time for you. And then we do that. And it did, it helped, uh, it really helped strengthen bonds. Um, you know, I, I had some situations where I maybe missed a deadline or, or didn't do something to someone's expectations. And I was able to transform those relationships because of that. Um, and I was able to build back trust and it really helped. It, it was a shame because then I got feedback from my boss that I was relying too much on my colleagues and they were expecting, I expected them to do this and that. But it was interesting because neither I nor my colleagues felt that way. In fact, it was actually helping them and, um, helping me when I wanted to clarify something. Um, I, I saw it actually get stuff done faster. Um, and honestly, I didn't spend that much time with that manager. Um, but I, so I take it as, um, as true feedback, what I was getting from the people I spent more time with. And I was actually very careful. I actually looked at a lot of, um, articles and practice methods to make sure I was getting honest feedback from people, not just what they thought I would like to hear. Like, Oh no, it's really good. You know, it's not so bad. It's fine. No, tell me honestly. So I, and I could tell I was getting that feedback. So yeah, it's a great idea. 
I find that um, in situations where I have anxiety for, you know, uh, unrelated reasons about being self-conscious of the way I talk or, or whatnot, by the way, I, this, this stuff happens to me all the time, um, but it gets easier as I practice, um, practicing talking with people that I work with regularly. Um, and I use a few little like trust building cues that um, get other people used to hearing me search for a word or struggle with getting a thought out there. Um, so it's, it's about building trust um, and confidence in somebody's acceptance of you. Uh, we've talked earlier about um, explicitly explaining, you know, your work style or communication style and things like this. Um, but in my situation, I've also noticed that those little, you know, seeds of here, this is a little bit about me um, without it being overt and, you know, the full meal story. So that's one suggestion that I, I would make. Also, uh, something that's worked for me is practicing the conversations. That's why I write anything that I need to say clearly. Um, I communicate after practicing. And I might not say the same thing over and over and over again, or um, the next time I need to actually say it in front of somebody, I, I might not uh, say the same thing verbatim, but I've rehearsed it mm -hmm. sort of. And it just gives me, an, it's like doing a presentation. You, you need to do it live, but you practice it. Mm -hmm. So you kind of get confidence in the structure of which direction it goes. So those are a couple of, of tangible things that I'd uh, recommend that, that work for me. Great. So I have a question back for you. Um, I have uh, the practicing bit is something that I've tried before, and I uh, I have other ADHD tendencies that get in the way of that, uh, namely perfectionism um, and anxiety and hyperfocus. So I will like I will try and perfect my words get the, just the right wording and like, you know, word choice and everything. And I'll spend like half an hour and then I won't, and then I will have built up oh, procrastination too. Cause I build up so much anxiety trying to get the words right that I don't have the conversation because I'm too scared. I can't part. imagine why you're stressed about this. I know it's terrible. Like imagine like how I feel about going to work sometimes like, okay, I, you know, I, I get really excited about my work. I love my work, but thinking about the social interactions, just, Oh God. So is there a question in there? Like, Oh, like sorry. Yes. The, how do you not get down the rabbit hole when you're trying, when you're practicing, are there ways that you keep yourself, keep it light just, you know, so it's just enough to get the interaction. I know, I, I know exactly how to answer that with Tell practice. Me. Ah. <laughs> okay. See, now, just like writing um, a term paper, um, I write it, and then I rewrite it. Yeah. And I rewrite it, and I rewrite it. I mean, mm. not really that many times, but uh, the saying goes: "I'm sorry, it's so long. I would have spent more time to make it shorter, or whatever." Um, mm. That when you practice, you can see what you would change, or how you would shorten something up, or whatever these techniques of um dropping sort of seeds or hints uh about my communication style uh it's practice and with the feedback you can refine it 
and and just like uh, user experience, um, you take input, you theorize uh, what the right uh, solution is, and then you test, and you see how actual field application of that that solution or design results. Yeah. And then you refine it again. So it's the same thing. Practice, 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 and and you'll get better at it, and you'll be happier, and and you'll also build trust in yourself and your self confidence. Yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, this is um, what what I'm hearing from you, and what I've heard um, from in a lot of these con- um, a lot of your comments, and what I know about what I've done is that I know most of the techniques that I need to that I need to incorporate here. Um, like uh, I mentioned, and Eric mentioned this precision Q&A course that I took um, with Dennis Matthews of vervago.com. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. And one, um, so I actually took a, a one-on-one coaching with him. And this is the guy who founded it. He, um, he actually showed, uh, showed me this whole method of, observing self-observation and self-coaching, um, which employed exactly what you're talking about. And so um, getting a lot of reinforcement and realizing, you know, the one teasing apart, what is this big bundle of verbal, verbal regulation for me? I say, as I'm being too wordy right now, um, teasing this apart. You're not being too wordy right now, though. That's the thing. Oh, cool. Well, I think I've teased it apart enough to realize that um, most of this equation is the anxiety. It's the low self-confidence and it's the anxiety that I need to hit first because once that artery is unblocked, then all the thinking can happen. It's like when Eric slept enough, then his words come out. When he hasn't, he, the words can't come out. So I need to get the anxiety out of the way. But Sandra, here, here, here's one of the things that I think is really, uh, that I want to emphasize. I think yeah. that... Yes, there's the anxiety, but uh-huh. I think that the anxiety is being fueled big time by a story you are telling yourself. And uh-huh. that story is that you are not enough. And that story is a big fat lie. Uh-huh. Truly, Sandra. It is a really big fat lie. I am more than enough. I'm like, I'm boarding on too you're much. You're pretty fantastic. I'm, like, I'm plenty. Thank you. You're awesome. You know, and <laughs> so a couple of things really quickly because we're getting towards the the end when we talk about acceptance, acceptance is not just a gift that we give ourselves. It's a gift that we give other people. Oh. Have you ever seen a comedian who has disabilities get up and give a, like a, a do a stand-up act all about their disabilities? Mm-hmm. How do you feel watching that? I feel comfortable because they're, um, you know, we're laughing together and I'm learning about them. Yes. Acceptance is a gift that you give, not just to yourself, but to other people as well. It is. um, And I, I believe this is a story that comes from the Buddha. If you are given, if someone tries to give you a gift and you don't accept it, who does that gift belong to? Wait, say it again. If someone tries to give you a gift, mm-hmm. but you don't accept it, who does that gift belong to? Them. So people's comments are the same way. You don't yeah. have to accept people's comments. Right? Yeah. Not saying that hearing things like that aren't hard sometimes. Right? 
But mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's really important that we challenge, you know, you want to, you, you started this and you want to get to the root of this. Mm-hmm. I think that you have a really creative narrator in your head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? For better or for worse, right? <laughs> right? It can be great sometimes. It can be terrible. What, one specific strategy that I wanted to also suggest, and, and uh, I think when Natalie was talking, it, it occurred to me. I am, and, and maybe I've gotten better at this, I think I am naturally a mumbler and a fast talker. And a piece of advice that my wife gave me probably about seven or eight years ago when I was practicing for a presentation that I was giving. She said, slow down so that your rate of speech to you feels uncomfortably slow. Okay. And when I had done that and I actually, I added, I was at a Chad uh, meeting and and did a presentation and I was actually, I brought this up and I was actually talking about self-awareness and self-monitoring and I actually gave someone a a pitch counter, which we sometimes use in behavioral therapy as a, a way to track specific behaviors. So I had a pitch counter. I was tracking my own anytime I thought I was talking too fast or, or I mumbled. And I asked somebody in the audience to also, anytime that you, could, you didn't understand what I said, you thought I talked too fast or swallowed my words, I want you to also make a click that, that pitch counter, right? So it was active self-monitoring uh, of that. And one of the things that I have done, because as, as we all know, I make my living through talking, Right. That this has become, I think, more of a habitual uh, thing for me where I don't have to think about it as often. But one of the interesting things that I have discovered about this, that slowing down my speech organizes my thoughts. Hmm. Interesting. So I am going to slow down. But now I want to know, like, uh, with the pitch counter, did the person in the audience have fewer counts than you did? Yes. By how much? I don't remember the, the exact number. Was it, like, number. twice as, like, half the but number? But also, but, you know, similar to adult study hall, that when we yeah. know that there's other people watching, we are able to better self-monitor ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So if you are so with a trusted group of people... And you're at, you ask these people, hey, I'm, I'm kind of working on this. Like, uh-huh. can you just give me some, some feedback like, as we're, we're doing this? I think you're, you may find, especially with your friends, right? Uh-huh. Like, if your friends are, are honest and caring, um, you know, and hopefully they are because they're, they're your friends, right? Uh-huh. Like, let them, let them tell you that you're crazy for thinking this stuff, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, we're at, we're at 1243. I know we need to make a hard oh. stop here. Natalie's like, oh, my God, you can't wrap this up. now. I have something I have to say. I know that. Well, I've been having to say this like for like the past 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Natalie. That's OK. Final so thought. when we want to start small, right, we want to start with pebbles. We talked about this in uh, Diana's, too. So. If you're trying to get better at making small talk, if you're trying to get better at making conversation, start with something easy. When I was in high school, I had immense social anxiety, particularly in classes with people like I didn't know. What you do is you do something that's generally always accepted. So I like to give people compliments. I have a goal. I give someone a compliment like every day, one compliment. It'll start, sometimes it'll start conversations. Oh, I love that shirt. It's really colorful. Oh yeah, my mom gave it to me. Like 
And then you can go off of that. And that allows you to have a more flowing conversation. And it's, you know, it's a positive thing. It's easy to give someone a compliment. And then you can branch from there. So that's just a good, like when Dan was telling you to practice speeches, it doesn't always need to be something that you like have to write out, like allow your ADD to help you like, Ooh, pretty shoes. I like your shoes. Like I, I just do this naturally now. (laughs) Like if it's a good thing, say it. Sounds good. Dan, any final thoughts from you? No, I'm really picking up some nuggets here that I don't want to put in my pocket with holes for sure. The mode of combat, it looks like, um, especially in these professional situations that can be real make or breaks for our career, for our Mm -hmm. uh, present job. I think I recognize now from Dan uh, or from uh, Dan that we're going to need to at least let them see some good sides. It might even be PR. I don't know if that's too artificial, Mm -hmm. but we're going to have to intentionally insert their view of us in areas that we shine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Sandra, I'm going to, I'm going to ask Dan, do you have any, uh, I wasn't sure if you could still comment there. I just want to let you know, Sandra, um, we're in your corner. Um, we've been there. You're, you're part of a family, so to speak. That's sort of one of the values that I picked up from ADHD rewired is how together we are. And, um, in those moments of anxiety that I've had, I mean, you're like a record, just a recording of my experiences. So just, just know that you've, you've got that people in your tribe and, we know where you're coming from and, and each of us have our own story and our path and our, our, our journey to uh, overcoming it. But the beautiful thing is that having been through it, you can now be an encourager of people who come after you. Yes. So take that to heart. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. And Eric, I know you're trying to end, but I, um, I am going to, I, there are a couple of things that I want to, um, I want to, find out as follow-ups because I know we don't have time. Um, I would love to figure out how I can work on my improving my processing speed. And I would also like to know um, to your comment about you don't have to accept people's comments. Um, You know, when I hear a comment, um, I feel like I'm torn, like, okay, it feels like that that's not completely true, but I need to also take the feedback and learn from it. But I also need to parse out the part that's like, that's motivated, not by compassion. Um, And so I was, I would love to find out any techniques you have for that. Um, And that is pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you so much. I really love this. And I, you know, I, I think um, that if you guys are ever in Seattle, I could invite you to hang out with me and you wouldn't say no because you think I'm boring. Is that true? I know it's a leading question, but I'm, I'm fishing for compliments here. Oh yeah. I would yeah, love to you, hang out you with you, Sandra. Yay. And I mean You're that. already my friend. We're already friends. All right. So you guys just come to Seattle whenever, call me up and we'll hang out. Seriously. Just show up at my door. So Sandra, <laughs> based on everything you heard, what commitments and next action steps Will you commit to making? Um, I think that I'm going to work on reducing my anxiety. 
I'm going to try and uh, respond to criticism with compliments, try and maybe practice that. I'm going to uh, practice my precision Q&A techniques and um, see if I can't do a little bit of meditating before meetings. I'm going to work on uh, the the negative self-talk. And I have this black and white diary that the previous therapist had me work on uh, where I write down the um, automatic thought. I um, label it as which type of automatic thought and kind of correct that, replace it with a more um, realistic thing. Um, and let's see what else. How often will you commit to doing that? Well, let's see. I've had trouble in the past remembering to do it. Um, and it's, yeah. What's, I, your, what's your cue been? But yeah, well, that's the thing. That was before I learned about cues. And um, yeah, this the same Dennis Matthews guy. He has a thing about rumble strips that I got to send you. It's, it's very cool um, about learning to see cues. Um, but now I know how to find cues. And thanks to you as well. Um, I might, and I also know how to do habits. So maybe it's like after brushing my teeth or something, uh, maybe I put it in a very easy place. Like I put the, you know, piece of paper with the pen taped to it. So I can't walk somewhere with the pen. I don't know. Like um, I gotta, maybe it's, I gotta put it maybe in my habits um, so that if I haven't done it by a certain time, I'm going to do it then like maybe it's after feeding the dogs or something. What kind of know. accountability do you think would be helpful for you to, uh, to do mm. this? So in terms of writing in the black and white diary, I suppose I could like take a picture of it and put it in the alumni group on, um, on like the, uh, the public display of accountability page. I like that. And then, that seems to work for me. And I love the alumni group, by the way, it is amazing. Like, um, that group of people has helped me get more stuff done. And yeah, it's just awesome. Speaking of awesome, Sandra, you are awesome for, for doing this. What a great topic. Um, Eric, you're awesome too. Keep doing your thing. Thank you. I couldn't do it alone though. You know, it's uh, having, having you guys to to be a part of this is uh, incredible. And I think, uh, you know, we're, we are a, uh, we are a special bunch. However you want to take that word special is up to you. We are a special bunch and I'm enjoying and celebrating it. Um, so if, uh, for listeners, if you have other ideas, if there were things that we didn't, uh, uh say that you were kind of screaming at your speakers and going, why aren't you saying this? Go to the episode number. So go to adsgrewire.com slash whatever episode number this, this ends up being, um, and add to the comments, uh, your, your ideas. Um, so Sandra, thank you so much. We'll, uh, we'll follow up with you at our next mastermind. Thank you, Eric. I am so encouraged. And I'm so excited to try this out. Awesome. Best of luck. Thank you. So it looks like we just about made it all the way to the end of ADHD awareness month. We had a lot going on this month. This is also your last chance. If you have not yet checked out the ADHD awareness expo, Go check it out. You can still see, I think, today and tomorrow, all of the content that is there for free. After that, I think you got to pay for it. Go check it out. Go to ADHDexpo.com slash ADHD Rewired. That's ADHDexpo.com slash ADHD Rewired. This is Eric Tivers. 
Thank you for listening, and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. Learn more about the ADHD Rewired Coaching and Accountability Group and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content that you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. Support ADHD Rewired and help replenish our coaching group scholarship fund by becoming a monthly patron at patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. Different levels of support get different perks. You can give just a buck or three or five bucks a month or more. Every little bit helps. And it's an awesome way for you to let me know that you value this show the community, and everything else we do. That's patreon.com slash ADHD Rewired. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tivers. Subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube to see select interviews and other videos I've made. The ADHD Rewired community is now a secret group on Facebook, so that's one less reason to not just be a passive listener, but to be an active member of our community. Fill out our short screening form at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We screen everyone before they join. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities or on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Quora, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends, your family, your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. If you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone or even do it for them. And if you really love this episode, please hit share on your podcast player. I'm only one person, and I count on you to help me spread the message. One of the biggest things you really can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher or any other podcast app that supports and accepts ratings and reviews. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at Audible by going to audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Need some ideas on where to start other than Brene Brown's Gifts of Imperfection, Darren Greatly, Rising Strong, or her six-hour recorded workshop, The Power of Vulnerability? Then I would recommend The One Thing by Gary Keeler. Oh, and if you by any chance know Brene Brown, please let her know how grateful I am for all of her work and what she means to me and the ADHD community, and that she's welcome on my show anytime. And in the one in like 7 billion chance that Brene, you're listening, please come and be a guest. Thanks. This is Eric Tivers reminding you, keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. And no matter how hard it all feels, remember, we can do hard things. Until next time.